You're listening to the Earn That Body Podcast, episode number 328. Welcome to the Earn That Body Show with Kim Eagle. Kim is an award-winning personal trainer. She trains her clients all over the world online and is passionate about empowering people by getting fit and healthy. Today we are going to talk about a topic that I have been asked to talk about for a very, very long time. I've sort of been putting it off because it's a massive topic and I'm by no means a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. I can only give you the kind of advice that I have heard from others and read from so many books and uh, podcasts and websites. And the topic is menopause. It has been asked to be done for a very long time. And as I said, it's a massive, massive topic. So I'm going to go over two different aspects or two different, I should just say, we're going to do two parts. It's going to be a two-parter because I don't want them to be super long. And I want you to be able to sit, listen, and move on. Now, again, I am not a doctor and you need to do what you need to do for you. So whether you want to take hormones or supplements or you don't want to do any of those things and you're looking for more natural remedies, it is not any indication of anything about you. You are not good nor bad if you do hormone replacement therapy or not. But there are definitely some things you should know about all of these different medical, um, so I don't even want to call them advances because some, some medicine and hormones that people take used to, they used to say you should do it. Then they say you shouldn't. So is that really an advance or not? Who knows? There's so much research that still needs to be done. And at the end of the day, every single person is different. Every single body is different. There are so many variables involved But I want to bring you the education so you understand a little bit about what is going on with your body. And I also want to educate those who are not yet even perimenopausal, much less menopausal, so that you understand signs and symptoms that may happen to you even in the 30s. And you might not understand that it is just a sign and a start of some of these transitions and changes. And it's also really important if you are younger than this perimenopausal age to listen today and next week because you need to be in your best health, as I say always. Going through menopause is a normal part of life. And the thing is, it can be very difficult. And what I see is that it tends to be much more difficult for people who are not fit, not healthy. And most of the people I know that are very fit and very healthy have told me that they had really had very few problems and very few symptoms going through menopause. And other people who were not as fit and not as eating as healthy and not, you know, didn't have good blood tests and and just blatantly were not healthy people are the ones who seem to struggle a lot more with menopause. And this is why I'm constantly telling everybody, because I'm aging, I'm at 51 right now, constantly telling everybody, we got to stay fit. We got to stay healthy because aging, it's a bit tough. And for women, it's even tougher because we have this lovely thing called menopause. So we're going to talk about that today. And 
I think, again, it's not just going to benefit the people who are currently going through it or the people who have gone through it, but also the people who are going to go through it one day, if you're a woman, it is going to happen to you. It is a natural part of life. So we're going to talk about all of that after this. And now it's time for the Eagle's Eye on Health. These are Kim's quick tips, latest health news, or piece of weekly inspiration. In today's Eagle Eye on Health, coming to you from the Consumer Report on Health magazine. I love this magazine because it has lots of little health articles and tidbits, and this one had two that caught my eye. So I'm going to do two really quick ones, all right? One was about knee pain, and they said that people ages 50 and older with knee osteoarthritis who said they walked for exercise were 40% less likely to report new and frequent knee pain than non-walkers in a recent study. They were also 20% less likely to show signs of worsening knee arthritis over four years. Knee x-rays showed that the walkers had less progressive damage to their knee joints as well. As I said the other week, we had a podcast episode on walking. It's a It's one of the best exercises you can do, and it is even showing to help people with knee osteoarthritis. They are benefiting from it, and you are less likely to have knee problems. So don't stop walking. So like me, I got a knee problem right now, and walking is the only thing I can do. So I am going to keep that going. Now, the other one that is near and dear to my heart, the title was Sleep is Good for Your Heart. (laughs) And it says that the American Heart Association has added sleep to its list of eight recommendations for a heart-healthy life. Getting seven to nine hours each night may reduce heart disease and stroke risks by helping people manage their weight, blood pressure, and blood sugar. Also on the the AHA list, a healthy diet, physical activity, not smoking, avoiding secondhand smoke, and controlling body weight, cholesterol, blood pressure, and blood sugar. So everyone, the takeaway that I really want you to hear in this is that sleep is good for your heart, but also they distinctly said that getting seven to nine hours each night may reduce heart disease and stroke risk by helping people manage their weight, blood pressure, and blood sugar. Because sleep is such an important part of our health and people just, they just don't realize that it is impacting every hormone in your body. And so the reason, one of the reasons it's helping your heart health is because you release hormones when you sleep. And if you're not getting a good solid seven to eight hours a night, you're missing out on hormone release. That hormone release is essential for weight loss as well. And sometimes that is more exciting for people to hear than heart health. Whatever it might be for you that's going to make you realize that sleep is so important, you've got to get seven to eight hours a night. I really don't think six is cutting it for people. And usually my clients who are getting five to six hours a night are the ones who are struggling to lose weight. They are constantly tired. They are not seeing increased performance. But then if I can get them to really focus on sleep habits that will then increase their sleep time, That's all of a sudden when we get a shift on the scale, a shift in performance, and this overall sense of feeling so much better. I don't know about you, but if I wake up and I got like five hours or less of sleep, which almost never happens, um, I feel terrible. And it takes 
it takes me like days to recover from that. So it's definitely not a good thing that you want to do. Sleep is good for your heart. Sleep is good for your health. Sleep, in my opinion, might be more important than nutrition and exercise in many, many ways. I feel like it's at at the very least, it's right up there with nutrition and exercise. So take it to heart, do what you may, but get seven to eight hours of sleep. Okay, so let's talk about menopause. I guess the only people who don't have to listen today are the men. So you guys can exit. I feel fairly confident when they saw the title of the podcast, they have already exited the show. (laughs) Not a problem. I totally get it. Now, before we jump into menopause, I think it's really important that people understand what perimenopause means, and it means around menopause. And it refers to the time during which your body makes the natural transition to menopause, marking the end of basically our reproductive years. Perimenopause is also called the menopausal transition. And I think that it's very important that when we talk about this, whether it be perimenopause or menopause, that I say this out loud as loud as I possibly can. Ladies, menopause and perimenopause are not an illness and nothing is wrong with us. This is all very, very normal. It is part of the progression of a woman's aging body. Now, you may not like that because you don't want to age. I get it, none of us do, but if you think about it, if we're not aging, that means something else terrible has happened. So aging is an important thing that is going to happen to us and nothing is wrong with us. So it kills me a little bit when I read in magazines or see on TV or even hear someone talking and they say, how do we treat menopause? Well, when you say it like that, it's like, well, it's not an illness. When I went to graduate school for Eastern medicine, I had mostly Asian doctors, Chinese doctors who were very good at the practice of Chinese medicine, and they would talk about how in America, menopause is seen as this illness. And it's talked about it as an illness and the doctors want to treat it. And they were saying that that's just not how it is in other countries and that it's normal and it's not something that we treat. Now, what people want to treat are the side effects. And so we are going to go through that. But I really think it's important for people to understand that if you're going through perimenopause or you're menopausal, postmenopause, There is nothing wrong with you. There was everything right with you because it is just a normal progression of our age and our body, okay? Be what it may be. We may not want to age, but it is actually normal. Now, women do start perimenopause, I should say, at different ages. So you could notice signs of progression toward menopause, such as menstrual irregularity, It could start in your 40s. Some people notice changes as early as their mid-30s. The level of estrogen, the main female hormone in your body, it rises and falls a bit unevenly during this perimenopausal time. Your menstrual cycles may lengthen, they may shorten, and you may begin having menstrual cycles in which your ovaries don't even release an egg, meaning you didn't ovulate at all. You might also experience menopause-like symptoms like hot flashes, sleep problems, vaginal dryness. And that, again, is just part of the changes before you get to menopause. So I just like to be really clear that these perimenopausal symptoms, they can happen as early as your 30s. You might feel a hot flash or two in your 30s, and that's it. 
You might start to feel them in your 40s. You may never feel hot flashes. Um, You might get a few irregular periods in your 40s and then get totally normal for many, many years and then irregular again. This time frame of perimenopause can be many, 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 many years. The reason why, it's like your body doing you this huge favor. You're gonna go through this major transition and it wants to do it slowly. Because the slower you progress into this major change, the easier it's going to be on your body overall. Now, just a side note, a lot of the information today came from Harvard Health, also came from Healthline, also came from Mayo Clinic, lots of different places that I do a lot of research to get the information for you. Because as I said, I'm not a doctor and that's why I will never tell you to take hormones or not take hormones and all of that that goes with it. Now let's talk about the symptoms of menopause. And the symptoms of menopause can definitely be similar to perimenopause. And your symptoms in perimenopause might actually even be worse than when you actually hit menopause. And I should actually also preface that actually stopping your menstrual periods for an entire year when you have hit that point that is when it is called menopause. So technically, that is sort of the the technical way that a doctor assesses if you are actually in menopause is if you have missed a menstrual period for one continuous year. Everything before that is that perimenopausal stage, then you're in menopause, and then basically you have postmenopause. So those are the different layers of this lovely transition that your body is going to go through. Now, what are the symptoms? Well, many of you already know the biggest one because you hear about it the most. So whether you've had them or are looking forward to them, likely not, you know that most people get hot flashes or some people call them flushes and they are by far the most common symptom of menopause. About 75% of all women have these sudden brief periodic increases in their body of temperature. Usually a hot flash starts before a woman's last period. For 80% of women, hot flashes occur for two years or less. And a small percentage of women experience hot flashes for more than two years. And these flashes seem to be directly related to decreasing levels of estrogen in your body, which is what is happening as you progress to menopause, is the estrogen levels are decreasing. Hot flashes vary in frequency. They vary in intensity. Some women get them, as I said. Some women don't. Some people barely have them. Some people, it is like, I mean, completely drench their clothes and have to change. So very different for everyone. Now, in addition to the increase in the temperature of skin, a hot flash may cause an increase in a woman's heart rate. This can cause sudden perspiration as the body tries to reduce its temperature. This symptom may also be accompanied by heart palpitations. Some women get it to the point where they're even feeling dizzy. Hot flashes that happen at night are called night sweats. A woman could wake up drenched in sweat and have to change her clothes, her sheets. Again, it's just different for every woman. Some women get it bad, some people don't, some people don't get it at all. 
Another symptom that you could experience is vaginal atrophy. And this is the drying and thinning of the tissues of the vagina and the urethra, and it can lead to pain during sex, as well as vaginitis, cystitis, and urinary tract infections. So a lot of women don't realize that when they're going through perimenopause, when they hit menopause, they could potentially start to see more UTIs. And that is unfortunately just another symptom having to do with, again, this drop in estrogen and changing in hormones. But again, I don't wanna say it's normal because it's an infection. An infection, a UTI is not normal, but it's normal in that it is it does happen during this stage. So don't be like alarmed. Also a symptom could be relaxation of the pelvic muscles. So the pelvic relaxation of these pelvic muscles can lead to urinary incontinence and also increase the risk of uterus, bladder, urethra, or rectum protruding into the vagina. Not something that you want by any means. It is a reason that you should be practicing Kegels. I don't know very many people who do them, but as I sit here, <laughs> I'm starting to do them as I'm reading that. <laughs> There are things you can do to keep your pelvic muscles strong, and so a Kegel is one of them. Something that you might want to look into, it's probably an entire podcast episode on its own, but again, I bring up the symptom because if it happens to you, I don't want you to be in shock. I want you to realize that unfortunately, it's again one of those symptoms that goes along with this stage of life. Now, there's also cardio, cardiac effects that can happen to a woman. As I had mentioned, intermittent dizziness, an abnormal sensation like a numbness, prickling, tingling, or even a heightened sensitivity, cardiac palpitations, and a fast heart rhythm could occur as a symptom of menopause. Then there's the lovely hair growth. So changing hormones can cause some women to have an increase in facial hair or a thinning of the hair on the scalp. Then there's mental health. So while it is commonly thought that mental health may be negatively affected by menopause, I just want you to know that several studies have indicated that menopausal women suffer no more anxiety, depression, anger, nervousness, or feelings of stress than women of the same age who are still menstruating. Psychological and emotional symptoms of fatigue, irritability, insomnia, nervousness, they may be related to the lack of estrogen, the stress of aging, and a woman's changing roles as she ages, but it's actually not necessarily due to menopause. So several studies are saying that. I feel like when women hear things like, oh, you could have a lot of mental health problems and depression and anxiety with menopause, then they start to give themselves those, those feelings, right? There's like, am I anxious? Maybe I am a little depressed. Oh, I think that goes along with menopause, so I guess I should be depressed. Now, I'm not saying that you aren't depressed or have anxiety. I'm just trying to tell you that several studies are indicating that it's not from menopause. It is more likely, in my opinion, because you're aging. And if you're like me right now, I am perimenopausal, going through this stage and starting to see the changes in my body and having like less frequent periods and all this, to me, it has been a complete eye-opener to, oh my gosh, I'm getting old. And that 
gives me anxiety. Not because I'm, I don't have any anxiety or depression because of the hormone shift. I can totally tell and feel that it's because there is a real, I don't want to say a slap in the face, but it's kind of a shock. And it happens at some point, And for me, it's happening now when you're like, wow, this is really happening. I may, I may never get a period again. I can't have a baby anymore. Like the young days are over. And it's kind of sad, like it makes me get a little teary right now because it's, it's aging and nobody wants to age, right? But at the same time, life is great. I still have a lot of great years ahead and all I want to do is live them the best that I possibly can. So I only bring that up to let you know that it's normal, but it's not necessarily going to happen to everybody that you have any of these mental health issues. By the way, I don't feel that I have a mental health issue. I have a very low amount of sadness, I guess you could say, or just more of a It's just a shock. Like, you just can't believe, like, this is happening. Like, when did I turn 51? I feel like I was just in college. What what happened? Um, So anyway, just know that, you know, you might have these feelings, but it's probably not actually from menopause or those hormone shifts that you're having. Now, I don't want to get into, should you go on hormone replacement therapy? What medication should you take? What hormones should you take? Should you take estrogen? Should you not? Should you take it with this? Should you not? There are so many options out there and you really should talk to all of your options with your doctor. The only thing I can tell you is I have been listening to a million podcasts, a lot of them recently. Um, So if you want to check some out, uh, Dr. Huberman, he has a great podcast where he was just recently... um, interviewing a woman I can't remember her name but then Jillian Michaels interviewed her as well and it's a recent podcast so you might want to check them out if you want to hear a little bit about hormone replacement therapy because a lot of things with hormone replacement therapy have changed and so they actually stopped doing uh a study based on what they were finding and you know in the old days it was like everybody should go on hormone replacement therapy and then it turned to no one should go on hormone replacement therapy and are are there risks for cancer and is it helping you know avoid cardiac problems and and so there's a lot of information about that that I'm going to ask you to do on your own because I do not feel qualified to bring you that information and I also think that it it's personal choice if you're going to do that Now, they are saying that HRT, hormone replacement therapy, really can help a woman who is suffering with a lot of these symptoms. So if you are someone and you are suffering and you are not able to live your day-to-day life normally because you are suffering so much, it sounds like for you you would be a candidate for hormone replacement therapy, and that should be a conversation that you have with your doctor. If you are not suffering from those type of things and you just have hot flashes sometimes, you probably don't need HRT. That's what I've been getting from the information. Um, But again, these are conversations you should have with your doctor. Now, when you have these conversations with your doctor, you should know that doctors don't know everything. And doctors don't all continue to stay up to date with research. That is very, very sad and totally not okay, in my opinion. I am just telling you that you should do as much research as you can so that you have a list of questions for your doctor and see what they have to say in relation to those questions. Challenge your doctor. Don't be afraid to challenge your doctor. If my doctor had said to me at the last visit, I want to put you on HRT, I would have said, why? 
and I would have challenged my doctor. Now, I don't really have any symptoms right now. I don't really have any hot flashes at all. I just starting to get the, I haven't had a period in 50 days right now. And I used to be 28 days to the day every day. Um, So in the year when I hit 50, two things happened, all right? Literally the day I hit 50, I couldn't see anymore. (laughs) And I say that and I laugh, but I'm like completely not joking. I've never worn glasses in my life. It's been like this prize um, superpower of mine. My husband's always like, how could you still like not be wearing glasses? My son wears glasses, my whole family wears glasses. And I'm like, I still don't need glasses. And then I turned 50 and I literally woke up the next day and I couldn't read anything. So now I wear glasses. Um, And then the other thing that happened at 50, it was like all of a sudden I didn't get a period. And then I went like, 40 days and then I got it and then I didn't get it again for like 40 days and then I got a really heavy period like the heaviest period of my life like I mean soaking through all my clothes and then I didn't get a period for like another 50 days or then I got like a dot of a period (laughs) I mean to me that is like the perfect representation of what perimenopause is it's like you're gonna get the highs the lows is getting a short a short cycle a long cycle like all the other so all of that to say, I don't have any symptoms of menopause right now, or peri- I, I have perimenopausal symptoms, but I don't get like hot flashes. I don't have anything else. So for me, if my doctor had said anything about HRT, I would have challenged her in a heartbeat about why. But thankfully, she is the one doctor that I love here so far. And very hard to find good doctors these days. So just back to what I said is like, go to your doctor, ask your doctor, if you are someone who is suffering from symptoms, then you should definitely ask your doctor about what your options are. Another thing is if you are on HRT and your doctor put it, you on it long, long, long ago, and you're still on it, you might not need to be on it anymore. And so a lot of research is talking about that too. How long should you be on it? Benefits, pros, cons, challenge your doctor. Do I still need to be on it? Challenge is probably not the right word. That sounds like you're going to be like aggressive. (laughs) But question your doctor, should I still be on this? Do I still need it? And do some research on your own if you should be continuing to take this forever. Now, what I do want to share with everybody are some natural remedies for menopause relief. Because in my heart, I know that this is not a disease. Because in my heart, I know this is a normal process. Because I have also heard in other countries, women don't even go through a lot of the hot flashes and symptoms that we get here in America, which is very, very interesting to me because that is alone some kind of sign that it could be nutritional. Is it stress? Is it health? What could it be that some women in other countries don't even have these symptoms, right? So I'm always looking for the most natural remedy to help us through these kind of symptoms and for myself because I personally am going to choose not to go on any HRT, hormone replacement therapy, if I do not need to. I cannot say I 100% will not because I haven't had any symptoms yet. So for me, I'm not suffering, right? Um... It's really just something in my heart. I truly believe in the human body. I believe that it knows how to take care of me. I believe that it knows how to age properly. I believe if I let it do its thing and I am a healthy person, that my body will take me through perimenopause to menopause in the best way possible. And sometimes if you start 
adding a hormone, adding a medication, adding this or that, then I wonder, well, then how will my body know how to do it on its own? I don't want to be on hormones forever. I don't think in my heart that people should be on some kind of medication forever if they don't have to be, because again, I trust the human body. So I just know for me, it's my goal to not do that, but I am not saying I would never, because again, I might just not be there yet. Or what if I get really bad symptoms? I don't want to come back to you and be like, so guess what? So now I'm on HRD. (laughs) It could happen. And that's why I say you do you because your symptoms might be different than mine. But let's talk about some remedies that are a little more natural because I really think we can take care of our body and we take care of our body, we have less symptoms. So generally eating a nutritious diet, Imagine that, rich in fruit and vegetables and protein, among other nutrients, and getting regular physical activity, it may provide the most relief for menopause symptoms. And that is why I preach it daily for the young, for the old, (laughs) and everybody in between. We have to eat fruit, we have to eat vegetables, we need our protein, we need sleep, we need to exercise. We not only need to do it just to have a healthy body, but also now to help battle some of the symptoms of menopause. Now we know that menopause begins in the late 40s or early 50s, and that perimenopausal age can be for a few years. And so if you are just starting to get those symptoms, it's just happening to you, let it be your wake-up call that it is time to make sure that you are doing the following things because it will benefit you greatly in terms of some of the symptoms with menopause. Now then first one would be you really want to eat foods rich in calcium and vitamin D because hormonal changes during menopause can cause your bones to weaken, increasing the risk of osteoporosis. Calcium and vitamin D are linked to a very good bone health as we know. So it is so important to get enough of these nutrients in your diet. Adequate vitamin D intake during postmenopause is also associated with a lower risk of hip fractures from weak bones. There are many foods that are calcium rich, including dairy products like yogurt, milk, and cheese. Green leafy vegetables like kale, collard greens, spinach, they also have a lot of calcium. It's also in tofu, beans, sardines, so many ways to make sure you're getting all that calcium in your body right now to benefit your bones. Now, this is why it is so important that when I get a client and they say that they are dairy-free, I really ask them, is this because you heard it's healthy to be dairy-free or because you have a true dairy intolerance? Half the people tell me because I just heard that it's just, we, sh- we shouldn't be eating you know, cow's milk and, and I shouldn't have dairy from a cow and, and it's healthier not to. That is not true. So there is so much calcium and protein in dairy and t- To miss out on that because you heard that it's not healthy is just too bad because what I feel like is so many women especially that are missing out on dairy are missing a huge amount of calcium and that's going to be a problem as you age. Not to mention it's one of the easiest ways to bump up your protein and if you start logging food you start to realize it's hard to get in enough protein. And if you take dairy out of the equation, it is even harder. So be very cautious. Now, if you are dairy intolerant, which I totally understand because I am a little dairy intolerant, just know a couple things. 
For one, Greek yogurt might be okay for you. I don't have any problem digesting Greek yogurt. I have been told it's because of the way that it is strained. And so for me, Greek yogurt is not an issue. However, almost everything else, I have to choose the lactose-free option. So if I drink milk, it is lactose-free. I get a cottage cheese that is lactose-free as well. I believe there is a Greek yogurt that is also lactose-free. So you might try that option if you're intolerant or you have some very mild, you know, bloating or something. Try the lactose-free option so you're still getting the calcium. If you are completely allergic, of course, do not have dairy. Like I totally get it. I just want to make sure that people who could be eating dairy are, because again, for women, it is such a rich source of calcium and a high source of protein that it would be a, it would be a shame for you not to be getting it from dairy. Now, sunlight is your main source of vitamin D since your skin produces it when exposed to the sun. However, as you get older, your skin gets less efficient at making it. If you're not out in the sun much or if you cover up your skin, you might have to take a supplement um, and that might be something you want to discuss with your doctor. Now, the second thing that you can do to sort of help with any of these menopausal symptoms is they definitely say that you need to maintain a moderate weight, all right? And this is why if you're young right now, before perimenopause, make sure you're at a super fantastic healthy weight. Don't be overweight going into menopause because it's only gonna be harder for you to deal with it. It is very common to gain a few pounds during menopause. So if you're already super fit and healthy and you gain a couple pounds, I don't think it's gonna be a big deal. If you're overweight and then you go through menopause and then you gain even more weight, it starts to become more of a problem, right? So some of this weight gain with menopause can be due to a combination of changing hormones, but it also has a lot to do with lifestyle. I hate to say it, but sometimes as we get into our 50s and 60s, you're just not moving as much, right? And potentially it could be just that. So I think sometimes people say, oh, I've got the menopause weight gain. But then also I look at their diet. I'm like, but you drink like three glasses of wine every single night. Like, I think if we just cut that out alone, you would not be gaining weight during menopause. So sometimes it's lifestyle. Part of it definitely is hormones and often it can also be genetics. Now, gaining excess body fat, especially around the waist, increases the risk of developing diseases like heart disease and even diabetes. In addition, body weight may affect your menopausal symptoms, which we definitely don't want. There was a study of over 17,000 postmenopausal women found that those who lost at least 10 pounds of weight or 10% of their body weight over a year were more likely to eliminate hot flashes and night sweats. All right, team? So if you are overweight, I hate to say it, but you may have a lot more menopausal symptoms or they might just be a lot more intense, which again is why I want us as fit and healthy as we can in all years of life leading up to aging because aging's tough. Gonna tell you right now, 50 years old was a tough year. I'm hoping 51 is better. And I want you to be as fit as possible. Now, the next thing is you need to eat a lot of fruit and vegetables because a diet rich in fruits and vegetables can help prevent so many menopausal symptoms. 
Fruits and veggies, they are low in calories. They can help you feel full. So it really helps weight loss or weight maintenance. They may also help prevent a number of diseases like heart diseases, which is why they're always trying to tell you to eat your fruit and veggies. And this is important since heart disease risk tends to increase after menopause. Now that could be due to factors like age, weight gain, or possibly reduced estrogen levels. A diet rich in fruit and vegetables is going to help keep your bones healthy and it is going to help prevent weight gain because typically people who are eating a lot of fruit and vegetables are not the ones gaining weight because they're feeling more full and a lot of people who don't eat any fruit and vegetables are eating a lot more processed foods. Now you cannot have unlimited fruit. I'm sorry, I know it kind of sounded like that, like eat a ton of fruit and vegetables. I would say eat a ton of vegetables and a couple fruits a day <laughs> just because of the sugar content. So you want to be careful of that. Now, the fourth thing is they say you should avoid trigger foods. And this is generally in relation to hot flashes, night sweats, even some people having sort of what they call a mood change. They may be even more likely to be triggered when you eat certain foods and eat certain foods at night. So common trigger foods could be caffeine, alcohol, foods that are sugary, or even spicy. Now, keep a symptom diary if this is you. If you are someone who is starting to get hot flashes, you might want to write down which days you get those hot flashes and then notice, is it only on the weekends? Because those might have been the days you drank a lot more alcohol. Or maybe you had a lot more coffee, or maybe you had a lot more sugary foods. So it is sort of interesting to see if you can find any trigger foods, because then you immediately know something that you can change to reduce those symptoms. Number five, they recommend you exercise regularly. This is currently not enough, or I should say there is currently not enough evidence to confirm whether exercise is effective for actually treating hot flashes and night sweats. However, there is evidence to support other benefits of regular exercise, such as Pilates-based exercise programs, which I love to hear because I just started getting really into Pilates. Now, these benefits include improved energy, metabolism, healthier joints and bones, decreased stress, better sleep. So you might give Pilates a try, and I, I'm gonna just tell you now, in 2024, I do have a pretty awesome workout program coming your way. Now, regular exercise is also associated with better overall health, protection against diseases and conditions, including cancer, heart disease, stroke, high blood pressure, type two diabetes, obesity, and osteoporosis. Those are things we already know, right? We know we need to move our body, but did you know that regular exercise might be also helping to relieve menopause symptoms like poor sleep, anxiety, low mood, and fatigue. It can help, so don't stop moving. I want you moving when you're young and I want you to continue moving as you age. So important because it's gonna make you feel so much better. Now, they also say, number six, is that eating foods that are high in phytoestrogens can be a real benefit. Phytoestrogens are naturally occurring plant compounds that can mimic the effects of estrogen in the body, and therefore they might help balance hormones. The high intake of phytoestrogens in Asian countries, such as Japan, 
It's actually thought to be the reason why menopausal people in these places rarely experience hot flashes. Remember how I was just saying there are women in other countries that don't have these symptoms? Well, apparently countries like Japan have women in menopause and they rarely experience hot flashes, but they take in a lot of phytoestrogens. So things like soybeans and soy products, tofu, tempeh, flax seeds, sesame seeds, beans, all great and things that you might want to start including. However, the phytoestrogen content in foods varies depending on the processing method. One study found that diets high in soy were associated with reduced cholesterol levels, blood pressure, and reduced severity of hot flashes and night sweats among women participants who were starting to enter menopause. So I think that's a reason that you could definitely start including them in your diet if you're someone who doesn't eat that a lot. However, you should know there is still some debate over whether soy products are good or bad for health. There's always been this debate about soy. And so that is why I try to include soy in my diet, but in moderation. And I say that about everything. I really think that there is nothing you should have all the time, everything in moderation, and that would include soy. Number seven would be drinking enough water because during menopause, dryness is often an issue and this is likely caused by the decrease in estrogen levels. So they definitely recommend drinking eight to 12 glasses of water a day to help you with all of these drying type symptoms. You want to stay hydrated. You do not want to get dehydrated. Drinking water can also reduce the bloating that can occur with some of the hormonal changes. In addition, water can help prevent weight gain and aid in weight loss by helping you feel full for longer. So that is something, and I always tell people often when you're hungry, you're actually dehydrated and you're thirsty more than you're actually wanting food. So just stay on top of your hydration. And then it talks about number eight, reducing refined sugar and processed foods. Look, if you're feeling crappy, and you got a lot of menopause symptoms and you got these hot flashes going and you've got some weight gain around your middle, you have got to reduce your refined sugar and processed foods. I would so much rather you do that than go on hormones right away if you don't need to. A diet high in refined carbs and sugar can cause very sharp rises and then very big dips in blood sugar that makes you feel tired and it makes you feel irritable. We don't want that, right? So don't say that you feel irritable and mood swings from menopause when it actually could be because you are just eating a ton of refined sugar, right? Now, one study found that diets high in refined carbs may increase the risk of depression in postmenopausal women. So please really, truly watch how much sugar you're taking in and your processed food. Then we've got number nine, and I want you to listen to this one, everybody, because they say do not skip meals. So if you are someone with hot flashes and you do not eat breakfast, you are doing a disservice to yourself. They say that eating regular meals may be important when you're going through menopause. Irregular eating may make certain symptoms of menopause worse, and it makes weight management much more difficult. A year-long weight management program for postmenopausal women found that skipping meals was associated with 4.3% less weight loss. 
Do not skip meals and mostly it is breakfast that y'all want to skip. Do not skip breakfast. I never skip breakfast, you guys, never. It is so important. Number 10, they want you to eat protein-rich foods. Regularly eating protein throughout the day, not just all at night. So don't intermittent fast and then not eat all day, 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 and then everything at night. I'm gonna eat all my protein at night. No, they say regularly eating protein throughout the day can help prevent the loss of lean muscle mass and you are going to lose lean muscle mass as you age, no matter what it's gonna happen, that is part of aging. Now, one study found that consuming protein throughout the day at each meal may slow down muscle loss due to aging. So that's fantastic. That is something that we can physically take action on. We can consume more protein throughout the day. In addition to helping prevent muscle loss, high protein diets can help with weight loss because it enhances that full feeling. Once again, helping us feel full really helps us not have those binge sessions, right team? So getting that protein going is so, so essential. And those are all things that you could take action on that don't include taking hormones. And again, if you need to take hormones or you are taking hormones, you have to do you but I want you guys to take action and to feel empowered that these are 10 things that you can try to do on your own and that might resolve a lot of what is going on before you have to go and take hormones. It's just something that I'm recommending you try before you take that step. Now, what can I say? I want to say this more than anything. Menopause is not an illness, ladies. There is nothing wrong with us. There is everything right with us. It is normal, okay? It's a natural part of life. And though it does have symptoms that can be difficult to deal with, eating the right diet, exercising regularly, these things can really help alleviate a lot of our symptoms. What we could do when we were younger, drinking all the time, maybe in college, (laughs) Um, eating fast food, eating tons of sugar and feeling fine the next day, you just can't do it as you age. You cannot do it once you hit this perimenopausal time. It's going to make this so much more difficult of a transition for you. So I know that's the depressing part is that we're getting older and we can't bounce back like we used to, but the exciting part is that you have control of you and empower yourself to take control. So if you don't like the way you feel and you are in this time of your life, see what you can do to take action on your health so that you can feel better through this very, very normal time in your life. Now next week, I'm going to talk about menopause and cholesterol because that is a whole other topic of menopause. Again, whether you're going through it yet or not, it is going to be a great episode for you to listen to. I hope you enjoyed it. I don't know about enjoy, that's a strong word. I hope you learned something today. And just remember that the Earn That Body podcast is here to bring you health, fitness, and nutrition information you can put into play right away. For more information about Kim Eagle's online programs, go to earnthatbody.com or check out Earn That Body on all forms of social media, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube.